Good morning and happy Sabbath again. If you're just joining us, we're happy to have you join our live stream for the Parkwood Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in Modesto, California. Some of you are joining us all the way from Costa Rica. Welcome. We are happy to have you joining us wherever you might be, however you might be dressed. I'll be honest, I'm wearing socks that don't match the best. Same with last week because I said they're not going to see my socks. Who cares? In fact, I'm not even wearing shoes, but you don't know that. I do have pants on though, so don't worry about that. As I mentioned earlier, we want to include you in our upcoming services. So if you have a special music, send it to us. Just get out your iPhone, smartphone, computer, record yourself singing, record yourself just saying hi to your church family. Just take a picture of yourself, send it to us. We want to see you and include you so you can see less of my face and more of yours in the upcoming weeks. You can see the email address myparkwoodchurch at gmail.com. You can also call us if you need help or, or you have some questions on any of that. We want to make sure that you're a part of this church service as well. Let's pray one more time to remind ourselves and once again ask God to be a part of this church service. Dear Heavenly Father, here we are asking for a blessing. We're going to get into your word, Lord, so I assume that we'll be blessed. But we want to make sure that your spirit is what guides us and leads us. In Jesus' name, amen. It's funny in life how you can easily take things for granted. Underappreciate them until you no longer have them. Have you ever seen this with like a little kid? He's got some toys he's playing with and there's one over here that he or she isn't playing with. And then another kid comes up and grabs that other toy. And when that happens, the first kid realizes that's the exact and only toy that they want to be playing with right now. And it's mine. And the toy that they had underappreciated is now the one that they're appreciating the most because somebody else wants it. Uh, I can think in a practical way in my own life, Sarah, who's a great cleaner and organizer, maybe going through stuff and find some odd trinket from the past. And she'll look at it and say, hey, do you still want this? You haven't used this in a couple of years. And I'll see it and I'll think, oh, of course, I still need to have that. That's what I need. It's mine. This is priceless, right? Those of you that are more sentimental and have a harder time throwing stuff out, realize it's easy to hang on to things, easy to underappreciate things. Coming here to an empty church makes me realize I had taken for granted the privilege of face-to-face -face church interaction with you. Uh, and, and quite frankly, how much I've missed just face-to-face -face interactions out in society in general is something that we have taken for granted. And now that it's gone, we miss it, don't we? When your health goes, oh, it makes you realize how wonderful it is to be healthy. When you get sick, oh, you just want to get better. You don't want to feel this way anymore. And then when you're healthy, it's easy to not do the things you need to do to stay healthy because you take for granted your health. You underappreciate, undervalue it. Maybe your job, maybe you complain about your job. It's hard, it's boring, I don't like it. 
But then you lose your job and you realize just how nice it is to have employment, particularly in a time like this. We live near Yosemite. We live near a place that people literally travel to from all around the world. Yet many of us locals don't go there as often as we should. And right now that it's closed, we we can't even go there. We live in a privileged area. Time with family members. It's easy to underappreciate, to take for granted the time that you have with your loved ones. And then when they get sick, you worry that, that that might be the last time you see them. When they pass away, you realize just how good it was. Even doing nothing with that person was a blessing. So in life, we have this bad habit of taking things for granted. And then when we really start to value them is when we lose them or when we fear that we might lose them. But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Perhaps some of the people who could speak to this concept the the best are the prophets in the Old Testament. They were constantly delivering messages from God, trying to get the people to repent, to turn back to God, to value God, to turn to Him, to turn to His law, to be obedient to Him, and all these things because the people consistently undervalued and underappreciated and took God and His grace and mercy for granted. One of the great examples of this is in the book of Amos, where we'll be studying today. And we'll see God trying different tools in his tool bag to try and get his children to turn back to him. Because really all that God wants is is our happiness and our blessedness in life. and, And that we can escape this world of sin by accepting him. That we can live with him forever. And so God, realizing the seriousness of how undervaluing Uh, His people have been treating him, how they've been taking him for granted. In the book of Amos, he has some pretty potent words. I invite you to turn there with me, the book of Amos. Now, it may be one that you don't turn to quite frequently, so your Bible may not just flip open to it. If you can find Matthew, then you just hang a left. You go left in your Bible, backwards through a, a lot of smaller books. But honestly, you can go to the very beginning of your Bible and look in the index. There's no shame in that. Figure out where Amos is. It's over halfway through the Bible. Amos was written over 2,700 years ago. He lived approximately 750 years before Jesus came around. But his message is still incredibly relevant to our lives today. And you're going to see that here. Amos lived about 10 miles south of Jerusalem. Um, He was a sheep breeder, and he also was a tender of sycamore fruit, or uh, an ancient type of fig. So that's what he did, but God called him to be a prophet. Didn't really want to be a prophet, apparently, but that's what he did out of obedience to God. And God called him in the book of Amos to write messages of warning, to try and help people to wake up and stop taking God and life for granted. He wrote warnings to a lot of the different areas, but primarily his focus was the northern kingdom of Israel. Those northern tribes that had split off back in in history. We, We covered that previously. So his message was primarily to the northern people, 
but it applies to us today. He lived in a, a fairly peaceful and prosperous time. There wasn't a lot of warfare. People, um, at least some of the people, had everything they needed. We find that their, their social structure was similar to how we have it today. Some super duper rich people that have power and, and, and everything they want, and then everybody else that's just trying to get by. Not a lot of middle class. And in his day, the poor were really poor. And they were mistreated and horribly abused by those who were rich and in power. Their legal system was corrupt. Justice was not being served. People, even though they had a form of godliness, were not following after God like they knew that they should be. People, just to put it bluntly, were taking God for granted. Thinking that they could be okay when they were not okay. And so God shares some pretty powerful messages. Uh, some kind of scary messages when you read them at first. And, and sometimes we wonder, well, why would a God of love say things like that? Or why would a God of love have to punish his people or let them suffer the consequences of their actions? And the answer is because he is a God of love. That's precisely the reason why he had to say some of the things he had to say and do some of the things, allow some of the things that he allowed. If you're a parent, you know sometimes there need to be consequences for your children because sometimes that's the only way they'll learn. If they would learn it another way, then that's what you would do. Me, I didn't need to get, uh, let's say, consequences very much as a child because I was too tender-hearted. If I knew that my parents were displeased in me, that was enough to make me cry and reform my behavior for the most part. But other people are a little more uh, stubborn, uh, not to name any names uh, or anything like that. <laughs> Actually, I don't know that Sarah was like that at all. <laughs> but some of you can relate. Some of you know that just saying, go to your room, was, was not enough. And that's what we see here. God uses every tool he can to get the people to repent. So we're going to do a kind of a 10,000-foot flyover of the book of Amos today, and we're going to see a God trying to get his people to wake up. Stop taking life and grace and forgiveness and me for granted. And we'll start uh, just looking at a couple of verses quickly. Amos chapter 2, and look there at verse 4. Amos 2, verse 4. This particular message is a judgment on Judah, the southern uh, tribes, but nevertheless it also applies to the northern ones. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not turn away its punishment, because they have despised the law of the Lord and have not kept his commandments. Punishment, justice, the natural consequences of your sin is coming because they despise the law of the Lord. They haven't turned to his commandments. Skip down to verse 6. For thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not turn away its punishment. Why? Because they sell the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of sandals. 
There were people that were so poor in, in Amos' day that they were selling themselves into servitude, into slavery, just to pay for debts, just for uh, the basic necessities of life. And the rich were, were buying and selling and trading people just like commodities. And God said, this can't continue. This has to stop. Skip on to chapter 3. Just a, a brief flyover, a brief survey here. Amos chapter 3 and verse 10. It says, For they do not know to do right, says the Lord, who store up violence and robbery in their palaces. These rich people in Amos's day were storing up things in their, in their rich and fancy houses, but it wasn't good things. It was violence and robbery. Obviously, there was a, a deeply fractured relationship with God that was uh, working here behind the scenes. Uh, moving on to, to chapter 4, chapter 4, verse 6. And we're going to see uh, God's repeated efforts to get the people to turn back to him. Amos 4, verse 6. Also, I gave you cleanness of teeth in all your cities. They experienced a lack of food. Their teeth were clean because they weren't eating enough and lack of bread in all your places. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. So God said, all right, I'm going to try and get you to come back to me. Let's take away. Let's allow them not to have all the food that they would want. And in the end, they hadn't returned. So he tries something different. Verse 8, so two or three cities wander together to drink water. There's drought but you were not satisfied, yet you have not returned to me. Another thing didn't work. You can look at verse 9. They had problems growing food. Same conclusion, but you did not return to me. Verse 10, warfare and plague, but you have not returned to me, God says. Number 11, or verse 11, the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, I'm going to overthrow you just like those cities were overthrown, but then the same result, you have not returned to me. And then we get this powerful statement in verse 12. Amos chapter 4, verse 12. Therefore, thus says, thus I will do to you, O Israel, <clears throat> because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. And this was uh, not a, a, a welcome sight for the people. He's saying... Because you haven't turned to me, because of all these things, I'm going to show up. And you're not going to like the results. We'll talk about that a little bit more here in a few moments. But, but behind all of this talk, behind all of these things, is a God of love that's yearning and trying to, to, to do everything that he can to get the people to wake up. Because what is far worse than being thirsty or hungry is missing out on eternal salvation, of joy, of relationship with God forever and ever. And so he says, prepare. Look at verse 5, chapter 5 rather. Behind all this, again, as I said, is a God of love that's yearning and longing for the people to come to him. Verse 4 of chapter 5. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, seek me and what? And live. Verse 6. Seek the Lord and live. 
He's saying, I'm wanting you to prosper. I'm wanting you to live. Just seek me. Seek me and live. Skip on down to chapter 5, verse 14. Seek good and not evil, that you may live. So the Lord God of hosts will be with you as you have spoken. Hate evil, love good, establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Sure, he's been prophesying destruction and doom, but he says, hey, just seek me. Maybe it won't come to pass. You know, Jonah went to the city of Nineveh. He had a message. The city's going to be destroyed. But what happened? The people repented. They listened. And was the city destroyed? Nope. God allowed them to continue on. And so behind every message and warning is this option to listen and live, to turn and live. It's kind of funny when you look at verse 18 of chapter 5 because talking about how the, you know, if there's no change in behavior, punishment will come. Consequences will come. There's some interesting language. Verse 18, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. For what good is the day of the Lord to you? It will be darkness and not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. Can you imagine that? You're in the woods walking along one day. There's a lion. Uh, apparently you're in Africa. You see a lion, and you're terrified. You run from the lion, and then you run into a bear, and the bear gets you. Or, or, or it says, instead of a bear, or as though he went to the house, and he leaned on the wall, and a serpent bit him. So you escape the lion. You run into your house. You say, whew, what a relief. And then you feel pain on your hand as a poisonous snake has just bit you. God's saying, hey, you guys think that I'm not being serious, and then I'm just playing around when I'm talking about consequences? No, this is going to happen. It's going to happen if you don't get serious. Stop taking me for granted. Stop taking my mercy and compassion for granted. Change needs to happen in your life. Have you ever been there? Have you experienced the grace and mercy of God? It's so wonderful, I think, so many times, just how forgiving and merciful God is. And his mercy never ends, truly. But our opportunities in life uh, at some point come to an end. And the scary part is that if we allow our hearts to be hardened, we may reach a point where we don't even want to experience God's mercy. We'll see more of that in, in just a moment. Now notice here the, the, the type of people that God is speaking these messages to. Amos 5, 21. It's not people who are totally disregarding him. Look at this. I hate, I despise your feast days, and I do not savor your sacred assemblies. These people have a form of godliness. They are going to the religious feasts and the sacred religious gatherings. Verse 22, though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. They're coming to the temple. They're coming to a place of worship and they're bringing offerings. But there's no connection. It's like they're coming to church week by week. They're watching the live stream week by week. 
but somehow there's this disconnect. They've taken for granted the God that wants relationship with them. Verse 23, take away from me the noise of your songs. It's like God saying, ah, stop it. You're singing these songs to me, but you're really not meaning it. And so it has no joy for me. I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments, but let justice run down like a water and righteousness like a mighty stream. God wanted the people to live out uh, this relationship, to live out the instructions he'd given them. But instead, they were just having a pretense, a form of following after God. But their actions demonstrated completely the opposite when it came to how they were treating people. Chapter 6, continuing this, this overview. Chapter 6, verse 1, Woe to you who are at ease in Zion and trust in Mount Samaria. Another alternate place of worship, uh, not sanctioned by, by God. They're just sitting back, feeling like there's no problems, like nothing is the matter. God says, no, no, no. Woe to you. There, there is something coming. You need to wake up. Stop taking me for granted. Look at verse 3 of chapter 6. Woe to you who put far off the day of doom. Saying, yeah, 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 I know that there may be some consequence, but that won't be for a long time. I can change before that time. Maybe us today are thinking, yeah, I know that God says this, but I'll get around to it someday. I know that I desperately need change in my life, but I think I have a little bit more time. You don't have time. The time is now. We talked last week about procrastination. We don't know what tomorrow, what even this afternoon will bring. Seek God now. Solomon said, before the difficult days come, Seek him while there's opportunity, while he is near. And so then we get to chapter 8. And this is where I really want to zoom in a little bit more this morning briefly. Amos chapter 8. God has been trying thing after thing after thing to a people who in one way look religious, but in another way are totally separate from God. Amos chapter 8, verse 4, he says this, Hear this, you who swallow up the needy and make the poor of the land fail. Again, mistreating those who are less fortunate. Saying, verse 5, When will the new moon be passed, that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath, that we may trade wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel large, falsifying the scales by deceit? Here are people that are, that are keeping these ceremonial new moons. They're keeping the weekly Sabbath, but they're looking at their uh, metaphorical wristwatches and they're saying, when's this going to be over? Because I got some business to get to. It's like being on a date with somebody who deeply loves you and you're just looking at your cell phone thinking, how soon can I get this over with? Do we ever fall into the same trap? When can this day be over with? When can this experience, when can worship be over with that I can do my own thing? We need a heart transplant every single day. We need to properly understand 
this relationship that God wants for us and the things that he puts out for us as a way to cultivate that friendship. But the people in Amos' day are just like the people of today. Just like our tendency to feel like we have God in our life, but we're underappreciating, taking him for granted. They also were uh, unjustly doing things in the marketplace, selling things for prices uh, that weren't right because the, the, the product wasn't all that it was billed to be. Verse 6, that we may buy poor for silver and needy for a pair of sandals, even sell the bad wheat, continuing on with their dishonest practices. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their works. Now the Bible clearly teaches that when we confess our sins to him, God blots out that record. God washes our sins away. So why would he be saying that I won't forget any of their works? Well, for the person who doesn't want God to uh, forgive them, the person who's not in relationship to genuinely confess and repent of their sins, they've made their choice, and their sin isn't forgotten. It's still there on the records. Verse 8, shall not the land trouble for this and everyone who mourns dwell in it? All of it shall swell like the river, uh, speaking of the Nile, heave and subside like the river in Egypt. There's something that's going to be coming, God says, and it's going to make the, the earth tremble in these ways. And it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord God, that I'll make the sun go down at noon and I'll darken the earth in broad daylight. Oftentimes, God in the Old Testament and even in the New, Matthew 24, speaks about these heavenly signs leading up to something that's about to happen. Verse 10, I will turn your feasts into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on every waist and baldness on every head. I will make it like mourning for an only son and its end like a bitter day. And notice what comes next. Perhaps the, the scariest of all consequences of ignoring and undervaluing uh, evaluating and um, taking for granted the grace and mercy and experience of God. Verse 11, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. In that day, verse 13, the fair virgins and the strong young men shall faint from thirst. He's saying there's coming a time, people, Amos, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is, a, is appealing to the people of Israel, saying, you're ignoring and undervaluing, taking God for granted, taking his word for granted. There's going to come a time when you won't hear from God. You won't have these messages from God, and you're going to desperately wish that you had. It's going to affect the strong people and the beautiful people. It's going to affect everybody. The thing that they had pushed aside for so long will be taken away from them and that's when they'll really think that they've missed out. You know, it reminds me of King Saul. 
King Saul, first king of Israel, had a lot going for him in life. He was tall, he was good-looking, and he became king. It's a pretty good start. He even was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied early on in his life. But King Saul, day by day, ignored God. Ignored the Holy Spirit speaking to his heart, to his mind. He allowed other things to creep into his life. He took God for granted. And he thought that he could rule in his own power and in his own strength. And it got so bad that at the end of his life, he was worried about an upcoming battle. So worried that he wanted some guidance from the future, but he'd already turned away from God for so long that he couldn't even turn back to God to get a message from him. So he ended up going to a a fortune teller, the witch of Endor, to try and get some information about the future. And tragically, it ended up being a self-fulfilling prophecy that resulted in his death. Because he had put God to the side, put him on the back burner for so long, when he needed him the most, God wasn't around. It wasn't that God didn't want to speak to him, but, but if God had showed up in that moment, Saul, with his heart in that condition, wouldn't have wanted to listen to him in the first place. Because God never gives up on us. God never stops trying to reach us. You understand that, right? But humans can reach a point where they no longer care what God has to say. And Saul had reached that point. And it was to his destruction. Now maybe you're worried that you've, you've reached that point in life. We often call that the unpardonable sin. Friends, if you're worried about that at all, that hasn't happened to you. Because people whom that has happened, they don't really care. So if you're watching this morning, afternoon, night, whatever time you're watching it, uh, don't worry about that. If you desire good and desire for God to be in your life, that has not happened to you. You have not crossed that threshold. God is always willing to forgive and save anybody who wants to be forgiven and saved. So Saul experienced spiritual famine. The people in Amos' day were to experience that spiritual famine. It's not like they didn't have the opportunity to know God. It's not like all the scrolls were removed from the land of Israel. But because they weren't willing to listen, God just stopped speaking. And then they realized just how big of a mistake they had made. Is it possible that the same thing could happen to us? Is it possible with, uh, you know, just dozens and dozens of Bible translations at our fingertips on our phones and all kinds of Bibles lining our shelves? Is it possible that we could experience spiritual famine while being surrounded by so many avenues to connect with God, to hear His voice? It seems unlikely that the Bible could ever be taken away from us, given now that it's in so many places and so many ways. But is it possible that there will come a day when people will run around realizing they needed a relationship with Jesus, but it's too late? I think about some of the parables, some of the things that Jesus had to say. He said, 
uh, in Matthew 7, 21 and 22, that there'll come a day when people will say to him at his return to this world, that future event, people will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do all these things? And Jesus will say to them, I never knew you. People who, who were living a form of godliness but somehow denying the power in their life. Somehow they weren't being honest with themselves or with God. And when Jesus returns, Jesus will say, I don't know you. You took me for granted for so long and it's too late now. What about Matthew 25? In Matthew 24, it's similar to, to Amos. It talks about the sun going down and so forth. And then in Matthew 25, it has a parable, several, a couple parables. But one of them is the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. The wise and the foolish people, young ladies, young, young guys, uh, we might say today. Two groups of people, those that were wise and those that were foolish. And in the parable, they were waiting for the bridegroom to come. This was a wedding scene. The second coming of Jesus is often portrayed as a wedding. And they all fell asleep. But when the, the call went out that the bridegroom was arriving, half of them were prepared and the other half weren't. Half of them had enough oil, enough Holy Spirit, enough connection with the Lord, and the other half even though they were waiting for the return, they weren't ready. And so what did they do? Like in Amos, they go running around trying to get this experience, trying to get that oil. But at that point, it was too late. Not that God isn't trying to save everybody. He really is. But there'll come a point when you're either saved or you're lost. And even if God were to take those who were lost into heaven, it wouldn't be a place of joy. It would be a place of torture. And so God in his mercy allows them not to go with him. Friends, it doesn't have to be that way for you and me. Because we get to make our choice every single day. And the words from Amos, the words from Scripture remind us that God is always reaching out to us. He's always waiting to give us a message. I've never heard an audible voice, but I sure have read verses that, that just speak to my heart and cut straight to my soul. Are there Bibles that are just sitting idle in your home? Do you have no time for prayer, but, but time for everything else in your life? Are you taking the mercy and opportunity of a relationship with God for granted? Friends, don't put it off. Don't delay. A couple months ago, I had a crazy dream. Kind of a scary dream. I dreamt I was getting married. That's not the scary part. I love being married, especially to my wife. But in my dream, I was single at that point in my dream, and I dreamt that I was about to get married in two weeks or so, and I knew that I had met this person, but I knew nothing about him. I didn't know them at all. And that's a terrifying thought, to be getting married, 
to somebody who's a total stranger, to be committing the rest of your life to somebody that you don't know and they don't know you. And I was desperately distressed and worried. You don't want to make that commitment when you don't know them, when you're not ready. I had um, taken for granted, um, I'd, I'd frittered away opportunities to get to know this future wife of mine. And now it was too late. When Jesus comes back, there will only really be two responses. Those who look with joy to the the person that they've been getting to know, cultivating this love relationship day by day, week by week. Those who say, this is our God, I've waited for him, and now he'll save me. And those who look up and realize they don't have that connection. They don't truly know and love Jesus. And they'll realize that they had put off those decisions for too long. Friends, don't make that same mistake. All of you are listening and are alive right now. Invest your life where it matters most. Don't procrastinate spiritually and don't take God and his mercy for granted. Is it your desire to spend more time where you need to? To recommit yourself? Maybe increasing the time you spend in God's word? Making it more meaningful? Praying more? Sharing your faith more? We won't regret any of these things when we get to heaven. We'll look back and say, I'm so glad I spent the time I did. So why not make that choice right now? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I am grateful that you are so merciful, so loving, and you just want all of us to be saved. Lord, your word tells us that not everyone will make that choice. But today, I want to. I want to be with you. I want to help others to be with you. And Lord, if there are areas in my life I know there are in the lives of my listeners who have been taking for granted things that you're offering to them. Lord, bring those to our mind today. And by your strength and by your Holy Spirit, help us to joyfully say, yes, God, I want to move forward with you in whatever specific aspect of life we need. This is our prayer. Let all God's people, whether at home or here, say, Amen. Amen. God bless you, and we will see you soon. Don't forget to send in those videos and pictures. Like, subscribe, and we'll see you soon. God bless.